Hi, this is Justin. Today on Theocast, we are going to talk about Bible reading. Maybe you're discouraged about reading your Bible. Maybe you feel like you don't understand it, or maybe you feel like when you do read it, you get nothing from it. We are going to talk today about how not to approach reading Scripture, and then we're going to consider what the Bible says about how to interact with the Word of God. And then over in the members area, we are going to consider whether or not Bible reading, personal Bible reading, is a litmus test of being a good and faithful Christian. Stay tuned. Hey guys, as a quick reminder, if you'd like to join Theocast and helping other people find rest in Christ, a simple way of doing that is simply by leaving us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can also leave reviews on all of our books. They're available at amazon.com. And if you haven't started following us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook yet, that's a great way to take our content and then share it with your friends and family. To learn more about how to support Theocast, simply visit theocast.org slash give. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. Conversations about the Christian life from a Reformed perspective. Our hosts today are John Moffat, pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee, Jimmy Bueller, pastor of Christ Community Church in Wilmer, Minnesota, and myself, Justin Perdue, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Guys, it's good to be recording with you again today, though there is at least a, I don't know, hint of sadness for me that we're not doing it actually physically in the same room. Got spoiled last Mm. week being with you guys to record not just a regular podcast, but also some fun content on covenant theology that may already be available by the time you're listening to this episode. So we're having to try to get back into the swing of recording these episodes remotely. And yeah, here we are again. And so guys, how are you? Yeah. Little lag. And and so, you know, we're we're, we're going to try to keep up, we're going to try to keep up the flow the way that we can in person, but um, we, yeah. We hope it goes well. Bear I with just, us. Uh, I need and to we, give a shout out to to Jimmy though. Jimmy made us dinner one night. Hey man, and it was Jimmy. Just just tell us real quick what it is that you blessed our palates with. So we had some uh, we had some uh, roasted tomato asparagus. Mm. That was kind of the bed, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, we had some grilled corn with a little butter, salt and pepper, perhaps a little hint of garlic. And then we did some charcoal grilled New York strip steak, medium rare, and then everything was gar- garnished with some with some chimichurri. So I mean, it was it was pretty good. It was. Which, young, I was didn't know good. what chimichurri was. So tell them what chimichurri is because it's unbelievable. So chimichurri is chopped parsley, cilantro, red onion, jalapeno, red wine vinegar, garlic, olive oil, salt and pepper. It's kind of like almost. Almost like a dressing. It's not soupy, yeah. but it's also not chunky solid. Yeah, it has yeah. that. Uh, what's that Mexican? Um, what's that? Uh, it's like chopped tomatoes. What? What do they call that? Pico de gallo. Pico de, pico de gallo. It's kind of like pico. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a like little pico. bit. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. 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 It's there really go. good for. It's really good for meat because it's 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 acidic. It's bright. It's fresh. It kind of cuts yeah. through the richness of meat. But yeah. Anyways, anyway. it was fantastic. We. Uh, we had a lot of good conversations sitting around the grill waiting for it to heat up. Mm-hmm. And it was good. It was good times. Watch the now, storm blow in. That was fun. Yeah. And now we just get to stare at our computer screens. 
So here we <laughs> That's are. right. And we're back. <laughs> and back, snap back to reality. I think Marshall Mathers said something about that. Yeah. But anyway, guys, what are we going to be? Well, I guess that's, I see, I'm, I'm just completely out of the, the thing. I, I, I ran over, I, I almost ran over John's opportunity to give us a pro con. Though, as Jimmy and I were talking before we recorded, John tends to hijack our pro cons anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. So, John, John take it. Today's yours. What we're gonna, Make before it count. we consider what we're going to talk about today, give everybody their favorite segment. Why do I feel like both of you are like my little brothers that, you know, yep. anytime they get a shot at, at, at their big brother, they're going to take you're saying, it. If you're better. saying that you're the oldest of the three of us, that's true. <laughs> it is true. Ooh. Not by much, though. My and gray hair, my gray hair deceives many. It's with the grayest. Yeah. <laughs> I, at least I got hair. Let's go there. That's okay. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. So my pro con is um, I, I have gotten recently into the, you know, the water flasks, the you know, everybody kind of carries them around, which is good and, and healthy. And I've, I noticed that I drink more water, which is great. But so yes, yes, we all have them. If you're watching on YouTube, we all have them. And I would say these are all very, what I would call appropriate flasks. Like all three of us, we can get our hands around them. I am pro those. <laughs> I am con ones that look like a refrigerator. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like this statement of, like, I am healthy and yeah, I drink like 90 gallon gallons of water a yeah. day. Yeah. Right. 90 ounce, 90 ounce water, like water or what? Hydro flask. Oh yeah. man. I saw one the other yeah. day and I was like, did that even fit in the front seat of your car? It's like, holy yeah. mackerels, buddy. Yeah. So anyway, so I mean, well, I ha- maybe a good way to, maybe a good way to put it would be like a, like a, a relatively good sized water bottle. You should have like max three stickers on it. If you can fit, if you can fit more than four or five stickers on your water yeah, you bottle got, you and you they're not overlapping. Yeah, yeah, and they're not overlapping. Like you should reconsider. The other thing is, if you can't put your hand around it on both sides and actually touch your hands, you know, it's like, (laughs) yeah, it might be too big. So, uh, anyways, my uh, my kind of former mentor in the faith used to joke around when this was becoming a trend. He was like, "Listen, all you young guys walking around with with your in your skinny jeans with your big jugs of water, (laughs) reading the church fathers, need to just calm down." Yeah, that's right. You know, and and just let let time do its thing, you know. Yeah. And like just be patient and trust the spirit of God. It was funny because he yeah. would always talk about skinny jeans, jugs of water, and reading the church fathers. And it was just it was kind yeah. of true. Yeah. Listen, the and, the yeah. only reason I joined the bandwagon was I uh, unfortunately recently had a kidney stone. Oh, and yeah. uh, so I realized, okay, mm-hmm. maybe I need to up my water game. So yeah. yeah. Which it's please bad please don't hydrated. Please, yeah. this podcast is not a medical advice podcast. We're not, no, we're not here to give medical advice. All. So that was drink, drinking water is a good thing. I mean, I, I feel like I can yep. with confidence say that. And there are certain there are certain ways where you can take it too far and maybe maybe oh. do it poorly. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, there it is. He did it. Wow. He did it. Jimmy, what are we talking about today? Yeah, gentlemen. Yes. So uh, as as more people have listened to our podcasts and we kind of pay attention to kind of the, the the different backroom talk that we hear as people process the things that we're saying, the things that we're writing. I think one of the pieces of pushback that we perhaps get is, I, I, I will use the word attacks, but we're certainly not attacking this. But the, the way that we talk about the individual Bible out. reading. Yeah, yeah. The way that we point out individual Bible reading and how it's handled within the world of Christianity today. And so perhaps you're engaged by the title of this podcast, 
But what we really want to discuss today is how we understand, how we view, how we actually believe the Bible talks about reading the Bible. And so perhaps to kind of get our bearings going this morning in August, late August, guys, let's let's try to answer these questions. And so w- what are the ways that people tend to read the Bible? What are the ways that as the common Christian person approaches the Word of God, what are the ways that they are approaching the Word of God? What are the ways that people tend to read the Scripture that perhaps are, are common to their church, their experience of Christianity. So I'll throw that out to you guys, and then we're going to move on into how we think the Bible speaks about reading the Bible itself. So why don't you guys take a take a swing at that? One of the ways that people approach reading Scripture that's less than helpful, we might say they approach it from a sentimental perspective, or it's a it's a very subjective perspective where they are looking for a kind of feeling, uh, a sort of emotional takeaway from their time in the word and that that's just going to be all kinds of unhelpful for people in part because our feelings and our emotions vacillate like crazy i mean by the by the moment certainly by the day and so you're going to feel different ways about reading the bible you're going to feel different ways reading it you know there're going to be some days where you might be affected and stirred and there're going to be other days where it's just flat it's like man this is just mm-hmm. nothing like nothing's happening and then what usually is the takeaway from all that on the days when we feel something strongly, oh man, that time was productive and that time yep. was useful and that was a blessing and, and, and all that. But then if it's a day where we just didn't feel anything reading scripture uh, or, or maybe didn't read it at all because we didn't feel like doing it because we were just sort of emotionally exhausted, then we are just mega discouraged and right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, and it basically just kind of instead of putting any wind in our sails, it just robs us of any motivation, and and we start to doubt all kinds of things. And so yeah. it's it's definitely an unsteady way to approach scripture, uh, to be to be looking for some kind of sentimental takeaway or some sort of warm and fuzzy, good feeling, good vibe that we might glean from the Bible. And we're we're going to pivot later to to how we should read our Bibles, but um, that this is certainly not a, a way to approach it. Sure. Yeah, I think another way of saying that would be looking for an experience every time we sure. open God's word. Yeah. We uh we uh, we hear language like you need to have a personal relationship with with Jesus Christ. Uh you need to cultivate that personal relationship with Jesus Christ and it needs to be intimate. And so if you're not spending time and they'll even say like if you don't spend time with your wife, how are you going to have a relationship with her? So if you're not spending time with Jesus, how are you going to have a relationship with him? Yeah. And um, what ends up happening is that we assume that every time we spend time with Jesus, it needs to be this euphoric moment. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it, you almost have the pressure of having the first date syndrome, right? You always want that feeling <laughs> yeah, right. you had on your first date if it was yeah. a good first date. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I, yeah, anybody who's been married for a long period of time knows that that's just not how relationships work and nor how you build it. You don't, you're not shooting for your first date every time. Wait, sometimes, yeah, sometimes a trip to the coffee store is, is just what's needed, not a $75 dinner, you know? And, yeah. but that's, that's not even how the, the dangerous part of that is that when we look at scripture, you don't, you don't see uh, Paul giving us instructions on how to have this experiential moment with God. 
That's sure. that's the danger, and that's right. I assume that, and and I would say a lot of people become discouraged in their interactions with God's word because it doesn't produce this experience. Well, this experimental moment where my life was transformed this morning. Now I'm going to have a better day. That's right. Very quickly, just brief insertion. There was a very popular devotional Bible study called Experiencing God that, yeah. I mean, went around yeah. in, in some churches that I was a part of. I mean, just to, to, to your Henry, point, yeah, I can't Henry remember Blackaby, the author, right? but, but yeah. to yeah. your yeah. point, it's like the, we need, we are looking for this experience of communion with God and communion with God is right. legit and real. Mm-hmm. We just are not always going to have that conscious experience as we're reading scripture by ourselves. It's just, it's unhelpful. Yeah. That, just to, uh, to kind of qualify some of the things that we're saying, I, I, I like what you said, John. And I think a lot of times when people approach the scriptures, they're, they're approaching it as if it's like a prom dance. <laughs> it's like the lights have gone down yeah. low and the, the, you know what's the what's the ball? What's it called? The disco ball. The disco ball has come down, <laughs> and I, for some reason I'm like picturing like an '80s prom the, dance because I feel like that's very cinematic. And the slow jam comes. Yeah, on. like the the slow jam has come on, and Jesus is out on the floor, and we have to go <laughs> and like meet Jesus and dance, and oh it's it's very much it's very much like we have this moment where it's just it's just me and Jesus on the floor, and and so mm-hmm. I think a distinction that I want to make is that. Certainly, there are aspects of the Christian life and faith that are personal, but often I think when people use the word personal, what what we often mean is private, and mm-hmm. I think the idea of a private relationship with Jesus is very foreign to the Bible, Agreed. and and we, we will discuss this in length and in detail a little bit later in this podcast, where the Bible is very upfront about corporate realities and the corporate right. life of the church, yep. uh, and now that isn't to say that the Holy Spirit doesn't personally save believers through the work of regeneration. Right. Uh, however, the Christian life is not a private experience. It's not a solo right. experience. And, and, and unfortunately, right. I think this is often what people mean is that we need to have this private experience each and every morning, that I need to have my prom dance with Jesus so that my day go, goes a particular way and it's kind of like Christian bookstore Christianity. You know, you walk in. I don't even know if Christian bookstores yeah. even exist. I think everyone that I grew they're up here and the yeah, they're yeah. certainly going away now. It's just I, maybe we should just call it like Facebook meme Christianity, where there is like some picture of a mountain, a mountain scene, and then there's a like you know, I can do all things. Yeah, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And we're supposed to look at that and have this emotive response. And I think often that's what people are looking for. It's kind of this spiritually navel-gazing sort of way of reading the Bible that I need to get my spiritual McNugget for the day to carry me through. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a, a precious moments approach to reading Scripture, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what we do is we turn we turn the event into— um, ben, and, and, let, me, let me rephrase that— we assume the act of reading the Bible is beneficial for us spiritually. Um, When we take the time to discipline ourselves and sit down and our eyes gloss over the words, then God will use that to to protect me. It's almost an earning a favor. God requires this of me. And if I don't meet my required minimum, which, you know, for some people it's 
one verse, some it's 30 minutes, who knows what it is. But if I don't meet the required minimum, God won't be happy with me and I'll probably be more vulnerable to sin and I'll probably yeah. have less blessings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So John, I'm going to, I'm going to quickly insert here because something you just said, I, like I can hear people kind of pushing back and yeah. I can see the question marks above their head where you say, we assume that it's going to be beneficial. So are you saying that when we read the Bible, there are times that it's not beneficial. What do you mean by that? Can you explain yeah. that? Well, I think that, well, what I'm, I, there's, there's two answers to your question. One, what, what I'm trying to get at is that the act of reading is not promised in Scripture for you to have spiritual benefits. Okay. Because some, what, what some people think is, if I read these holy words, it's almost like they're charms. If I say these holy words, sure. they will then charm me with whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so there are a lot of people who read their Bibles, and at the end of it, they literally say, I didn't get anything out of that. Like, yeah, nothing. Right. Like, there was nothing. Like, I read and, the genealogies today, and I got nothing out of it. Yeah. And the, the big question to ask is, well, what did you expect to get? Which, right. So, which we're going to talk but about. They, but they feel as if they don't do it, then they're going to be less than. Secondly, yeah. there are times where people do read, and because they don't know what they're doing while they're reading the Bible, that it's not just some spirit. It's, let me put it this way. The Bible is not the book of Proverbs. You know, We want to read the Bible as if there is these one or two spiritual nuggets that can come out of it. Right. So you're reading about guts and glory and blood and promises, and, and then you're saying, I don't nothing here and so you're trying and people have they've applied stuff out of the old testament where i'm like that has that was better it would be better if you didn't read that and didn't apply it yeah. than the way in which you applied it that's sure. what i mean right. by sure that. no that's yeah. certainly true when people approach especially the old testament like it's the it's some handbook for living or it's a it's a handbook for mental emotional and spiritual health and then we start to try to apply the scripture that way. We do all kinds of bad things with it, for sure. Yeah, the, Another way the, the that Daniel people, diet is not yeah, intended for gosh. you to apply. Yeah. No, yeah. it's not. Another way that we tend to come to the Bible, I think that's unhelpful too, sort of along the lines of what you were saying, John, it can be unhelpful to read scripture if you're going to just grossly misunderstand and misapply it. One way we do mm -hmm. that is when we just read and sort of um, are looking for impressions. Like I, I'm reading the text and I get this impression, I, this thought pops into my head, um, this feeling I, you know, I have, or something comes to mind, and then we we kind of take that and run with it. Uh, it's the classic, you know, we're sitting around in a Bible study, and it's that sort of, you know, well, what is what is what do you get out of this text when you look yeah. at it, or what does it right. what does it mean to you, what does it or, mean to you, or what's your yeah. takeaway, you know? And it's like, well, uh, on the one hand, in every sanctified way, I could mean this. It's like I don't really care what what this kind of means to you or what your takeaway is the question is what does it mean and what is god revealing yeah. and what is god promising and what does this mean for faith and what does this mean for redemption and things like that and and so yeah. that kind of impressionistic reading of the bible takes us all kind of weird places too and one one piggyback on something john said about the earning kind of earning favor with god and he's happier with me and the protection pieces, this is where we turn, and we've said this before, we turn something like Bible reading, not only do we turn the Bible into like a charm, but we turn Bible reading into this kind of karma-like reality, where if we mm -hmm. do it, you know, it's almost quid pro quo, like I do this and then God does yep. that, you know? It's a favor, and yeah. Yeah, and it, it's, it's meritorious in some sense in our minds, and, and things are just going to go, I'm going to have a great day because I had a great quiet time, and yeah. 
that may not be true. You may pull out of your, you may have had the best quiet time you've had in a year, whatever that means to you. And you, you pull out of your driveway and you're in a car wreck. Well, what then? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Or you run yeah. over your kid's bike and say a swear word. Right. right. And then you're like, oh, I was <laughs> doing great. Kid. And now I'm doing terribly and I'm angry and I'm sinning all over the place. Like, I guess it didn't yeah. take. Yeah. John, that sounds personal, but we can move on from that. Anyway. So, <laughs> so true. Um, <laughs> so I, I think uh, to, to offer an, uh, an illustration with the beneficial piece. So uh, this was probably a year, year and a half ago. Our, our child one of our one of our kids he had he had broken something in our home and it was something that could be easily fixed with tape you know duct tape whatever and the so universal solvent yeah so so we had done that well then what my child had learned from that is kind of that everything could be fixed with tape and so <laughs> things would break and and things things of like large and heavy nature and right. I would begin to find things around the house that were just covered in tape where I was like, okay, this is tape is a good thing and it is beneficial, but for a very, very specific purpose. And my child is treating not duct tape, but like scotch tape as like the the fix all and the cure all for everything in our home. And a lot of times that's kind of how we view the Bible Hmm. is that, you know, the Bible is beneficial, right? I mean, you know, Paul writes this to Timothy that it is beneficial for all sorts of, of good things. However, when we when we view it as kind of through the lenses by which we are discussing, a lot of times it can be unbeneficial because we're applying it in all sorts of weird ways where, like you said, we're, we're, we're using the Bible as we're treating it like Proverbs exclusively. Mm-hmm. That we're just looking for that that kind of practical truth to kind of get me through the day, and 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 even that word practical, I think, has just kind of been overused in so many ways that we have trained, at least maybe I'll just kind of say arbitrarily in the past twenty years, that there's always going to be a practical application in a sermon, or there's mm-hmm. always going to be a practical application mm-hmm. in Bible reading, and certainly sometimes there may be. But a lot of times that they're not. Now, JP, I think you want to insert something quickly here before I kind of move on, but go ahead. Before we maybe transition altogether to better ways to do this, just this is true of many things in the Christian life. I think that we all tend to be very short-sighted in how we approach life and, and how we approach the Christian life. And we tend to overestimate greatly what can happen in the short term, and we underestimate greatly what can happen over the long term. And I think this is true with respect to how we approach the Bible. Our, like, let's use a better word, uh, our meditation on the Word of God over the course of a lifetime will bear fruit in ways that we don't really understand and can't even really fathom. And it will have Mm -hmm. basically nothing to do with how you felt or what your takeaway was from the Word on any given day. And just to kind of set people free from this kind of bondage of, my Bible reading, my meditation today has to be life-changing. It, that is just not the norm and, and frankly, is a, is a dangerous and, and difficult way and just a, a, something I think that's going to produce more discouragement you know, for people over the course of time than encouragement. Just tr- continue to, to trust the Lord in all things, including this matter, 
that he will do good work in your life over the long haul as you trust Christ. Yeah. We're excited to announce that we have a new free ebook available at our website called Faith Versus Faithfulness, a primer on rest. And we, the host, put this together to explain the difference between emphasizing one's faith in Christ versus emphasizing one's faithfulness to Christ, and how one leads to rest and how the other often to a lack of assurance. And you can get this at theocast.org slash primer. And if you've been encouraged by what you've been hearing at Theocast, we'd ask you to help partner with us. You can do that by joining our Total Access membership. That's our monthly membership that gives you access to all of our material that we've produced over the last four years, or simply by donating to our ministry. And you can do that by going to our website, theocast.org. We hope that you enjoy the rest of the conversation. Yeah, I know we're about to make a transition here, so let me jump in, Jimmy, and and kind of as we change directions here and turn this uh, towards the positive. Guys, what would you say the Bible promises? What benefits does the Bible give us for our reading of it? Yeah. What argument would you make for that? Yeah, and I want to quickly say something, um, and then we we can also discuss this, that I think many people it could be new to them, but the Bible actually does not give us an explicit command on an individual level to actually read the Bible. We just what? don't see it. True. We don't see no. it. Now, no. now, some of the things that we do see is the practice of meditation, meditating on Scripture. Absolutely. Right. Um, and we, you know, that's that's a whole another conversation. Some of the other things that we do see, the public reading of Scripture, yep. the public teaching and preaching of the Scriptures, and and to kind of put a bow on our previous segment of, you know, what are some unhelpful ways that we read the Bible? I, I, again, I, I think one of the most unhelpful ways that we read the Bible is we read it in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. So yep. Jimmy wakes up, at 5, 6 a.m., has a nice, strong cup of coffee with a candle lit and lights down low, and he has this individual time, and I read it in a vacuum because it's it's all about my personal spiritual health. It's all about my personal spiritual discipline, and in my mind and heart, and I, I don't think people do this purposefully or with an ill will, but it's 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 read in a vacuum that it has no benefit to the body of Christ that I am personally involved in. You know, Christ Community Church, Covenant Baptist Church, insert your church name here. And so I think one of the things that I want to point out to answer your question, John, mm-hmm. is I think the way that the Bible points itself out as a way that's beneficial is when Bible the Bible is read, and I would say specifically taught and preached in a corporate gathering of believers. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, to that point, um, I used this illustration before we recorded, when we as fathers and husbands uh, make decisions, and I mean life-altering decisions, uh, moving states, changing jobs, buying a car, we always make those decisions and do our research on the premise of, 
I am a father and I have a wife and I have to make the decisions based upon those. And even little decisions about, okay, that's too much money for this particular thing that I want to participate in. And so when we think about life, naturally, if you're a good father and you're a good husband, you always think about life in that context of my family. But we don't do this with our relationship with the father. We think it's we're only children. We only, it's me and God and you know, we'll figure this out if I have a struggle with sin or if I want to uh, uh, grow in my faith, I need to work on that. And I would even say to Jimmy's point that your Bible reading is, should be for the benefit and in the context of family. I'm reading yeah. this because my family and I would benefit from ways in which I can consider how to build them up into love because yeah. I'm I am consuming our father's information that he's given us, and I can then use that for worship. I can use that for encouragement. I can use it for those who are discouraged. I can encourage those who are growing, but that's not how we see it. I need this to get me through my day. Yeah, it's all about your own personal development for your own sake, and that's not a biblical concept. A drum that I'm happy to keep beating, and I know you guys are are completely with me in this, I think it it's just worth saying over and over, is that the common notion for the evangelical is that the real important stuff of the Christian life happens when we're by ourselves. And so this right. certainly is true with respect to how we approach Scripture and God's Word. Like The most important interaction that I have with the Bible occurs me— and Jesus, like by myself, um, in you know wherever you do it with whatever beverage you want, like that's when it really matters. Um, that private time in the Word is is the real interaction that I have with Scripture. And Sunday morning and gathering with the church, yeah, like God, God says we should do it, and I'm sure it's beneficial. But this private stuff is is the real thing, and that is just not as Jimmy already pointed out. It's not the the thrust of the New Testament. The New Testament speaks in corporate realities. The the letters in the New Testament are written to congregations. The mention of Scripture and the ministry of the Word is always in the context of the body of Christ. Whether it's the public reading or the teaching or even just interacting with Scripture, it's always assumed it's together that we do that. And right. like something that we need to really embrace, I think, uh, as believers uh, biblically is that the corporate reality of the church and the corporate reality of the gathered church in particular drives my private life, not the other way around. And right. I think most people assume that the private, my private life in particular, my private devotional life drives everything else. No, that, that corporate reality drives your private life. And yeah. that's a very, like, comp- very disorienting thought for many evangelicals, but it's a very freeing yeah. one. And it's important for a number of reasons that I'm sure we'll we'll continue to unpack. Yeah, well, and for me, something that's kind of going off in my brain is I'm I'm thinking of the fruit of the spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I mean, think yeah. of all of these things. The fruit of the spirit do not make sense if they only exist for the private individual. No, because you cannot be a loving person outside of the communion of saints, right? Like you can't be patient, you know, outside of the communion of the saints, right? Because there's nothing to be patient with. You you know, you don't love yourself. You're not patient with yourself. I mean, that just, that certainly just doesn't 
make sense. And and so, and yet this is something that we continually do when we when we talk about personal Bible reading is that it benefits me. Now, here's here's something that I just kind of want to throw out that even as we think about Bible study, like I encourage, I encourage people in my own body to to gather with other saints to to study the Bible. Because I, I do think that it, it is a it's a good way for people to to know one another, to to be around one another, um, to hear you know how God has uniquely wired that person to offer various insights about about the scripture. But but even that that's a that's a a corporate sense. It's a community sense. Um, and so maybe now is is perhaps a good time to say, you know, none of us approaches the Bible with kind of like this purely objective, like I'm, I'm just going to see the Bible for what it is. And so is there a way, guys, that we are supposed to understand the Bible, that we are supposed to read the Bible? So thinking about the corporate reality, one of the reasons it's so important for us, particularly as it pertains to reading scripture, is if we are a part of a church where the word of God is rightly preached and rightly divided, one of the things that we are learning every Sunday corporately is how we are to read and understand the Bible. And so I know what we want to talk about now are things that we talk about regularly. The big framework of Scripture, and there are two different ways that we'll describe that big framework of the Bible, are incredibly helpful for the individual Christian going to Scripture. So two things that we've we've discussed here on Theocast before that are massively helpful for, for you to open your Bible and go to any part of it and have some bearings and being able to orient yourself in terms of what's going on and what is God doing and where do I fit in this are covenant theology, a covenantal framework of Scripture, and then also the redemptive historical framework of the Bible. So guys, perhaps right. we could give brief flyover definitions of those things just for people that might not be super familiar. We don't have to spend a lot of time defining it, but we could define that briefly and then maybe just talk together about how those things are so helpful. Yeah, redemptive historic um, would be the easy, the easy way to describe it is that the Bible is about the story of redemption. And if you don't really know what that word means, I would say that God made a promise to Eve after the fall that through one of her children, he would restore back what was lost. So what was lost in the garden between Adam and Eve? Well, they lost their innocence and purity, and they lost fellowship with God and then they were kicked out of the garden, right? So what God promises is this, is that he is going to pay pay for those sins and restore not only the fellowship, but creation to back to not be under the curse anymore. This is Romans chapter eight. So what we then read is that promise starts to gain traction and you get clarity in Abraham and then in Moses and then in David. So as you start falling on, you have to ask the question, what seed of Eve is it going to be? And then when you get to the new Testament, you realize it's when the virgin birth, when, when, when Jesus comes through Mary the, the, that's that's the culmination of the Old Testament. And so the whole thing is a story of redemption. That it means to buy back. History, when we put the word history in there, that means that the story of redemption unfolds through history. It's not a theological book where it's broken up in topics, but it is the revelation of what actually happened. That would be yeah, a quick right. definition. Yeah. And I would compare, let me just compare that real quick. That So a redemptive historic understanding of scripture and reading it that way is contrasted to a me-centered 
understanding where I am sure. finding me in the text and where I can be like this person in history. So the, 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 the stories are pure moral stories. Look at, look at these, these are great role models for you or bad role models for you, but it's a whole me centered way of reading it versus this is a story of redemption that unfolds in history. Yeah. Yeah. I, super helpful, John. And I think this is this is kind of tying back to when we talk about not not all Bible read, not all Bible reading is equally beneficial. And so, you know, we believe that when you read the Bible with this specific lens that you are reading the unified one story of God's pursuit of sinners through the gospel right. of Jesus Christ, culminating in the person and work of Jesus Christ and benefiting sinners through their redemption, their forgiveness by grace alone through faith alone on account of Christ alone that when that is the lens through which you are reading the Bible, it prevents you, and we talked about this a lot in our Covenant Theology series, so maybe you should check that out, but that prevents you from reading the Bible in such a way that you are looking for the spiritual McNugget. And right. now a lot of people would say, well, it kind of doesn't that just kind of rip the emotion out of the Bible? And I would say, actually, I think it does quite the opposite. Yep. That it helps you see, wow, God made this promise to Abraham that through him, the nations of the world would be blessed. And I'm in that. <laughs> I'm one Word. of those, I'm one of those stars in the sky. I am one of those sands mm-hmm. on the beach that, mm-hmm. that God promised to Abraham and that through Abraham's line would come the Messiah and, and goodness, like thousands of years ago, God began setting in motion my redemption. Praise be to his name. Yeah. Like that is, that's your spiritual McNugget, man that you can walk away with that as you read even the obscure places of the Old, Te- Old Testament, man, even, even the genealogies, <laughs> like as you read the genealogies, what you're seeing is the promises of God coming true. You're seeing the promises of God that he made to Adam and Eve in the garden are coming through, through the lines of men and women, all coming to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Word. So the point of the Bible is God's plan of redemption accomplished through Christ and then obviously applied to his people by the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and so that's a, like a big, a big thing that we never want to read any passage of scripture without that main point in view. And then when it comes to the covenantal framework, the, the three big covenants that we understand are in scripture are the, the covenant of redemption that happened before the world started, where God determined to save a people. Then God made a conditional covenant of works with Adam, with Adam in the garden that he broke. And then there was the promise of this covenant of grace where the Messiah would come and would accomplish everything necessary for salvation. And it would be applied by grace through faith in him to sinners. And so we, we read all of scripture with those understandings. And it keeps us from, like you guys have already alluded to, individualizing too much. It keeps us from moralizing everything. It helps us when we come to things that are going on specifically with the nation of Israel that can be confusing. If we read scripture, understanding that this kind of seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman thing goes throughout the entire Old Testament. And there is this promised one in particular who will come and who's he going to be? What's he going to be like? What's he going to do? Like all of Israel's history is building to that crescendo where like at the end of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, it's just this like epic cliffhanger of I'm going to send a forerunner you know, and then the great and awesome day of the Lord is coming 
And we're waiting, you know, we already know we're waiting for a son of David who's going to represent the people and be their redemption. And so it, it, it orients us. Like I said earlier, it's like a map and a, and a key for us. And if we're sitting under that kind of teaching corporately all the time and we're learning these frameworks, it, it makes it possible for us to go to Scripture and, and not do some of the silly things with it that we tend to do. So I can't overemphasize enough, guys, the, the importance of sitting under good teaching, being a part of a local church where you are learning to understand your Bible in this kind of corporate way with the help of your brothers and sisters, not just running off to a mountainside by yourself all the time, thinking that that's mm-hmm. what's going to do good for you. That's right. Well, so many of these theological systems that have come out in the last 200 years have come out because people start reading their Bibles uh, disconnected from church history, disconnected from any kind of theological training. And when they're like, well, I just need me and my Bible. And you start hearing all kinds of theologies, different views of the Trinity and understandings of end times and the personal applications that come that have nothing to do with scripture where all of a sudden it's like, no, the Bible says this. And we use what's called biblicism where we are only going to believe exactly what the Bible says. And if the phrase or term is not in there, then I'm not going to use it. Well, you're throwing out a lot of, you know, like church membership, you're throwing out the Trinity uh, because, well, the Bible explicitly doesn't say this. My, the, the, what happens when you appropriately understand the intention of God's word, I think your consumption of it, will will be so much more enjoyable because you actually understand what's going on and therefore your understanding will then breed greater and greater knowledge. When someone starts to read scripture and understand God is unfolding this promise, this covenant that he has given to uh, the world, it's called the covenant of grace, that God's going to redeem people at this unconditional promise that is not based upon their works, not obedience to the law, not obedience to circumcision. It right. is not a fulfillment on their part, but God's going to uh, um, restore back the fellowship that we destroyed based upon his mercy and grace. And how how does that happen? And that's the intentions of God's word. I mean, John even says when he wrote his gospel, I write these yes. things that you may what? Believe. You know, find personal application. No, he says that yeah. you may believe, right? Okay. The Bible is designed so that your faith in your Savior is increasing all the more. Because the more exactly. we trust in Christ, the more rest mm-hmm. we will have. The less we trust in Christ, the more anxiety we're going to have. Most people mm, cannot right. rest in Jesus Christ because they don't find him trustworthy. And I know that's a weird, bold statement, but it's true. The whole Bible is designed to prove that God is faithful when we are faithless. Mm-hmm. So Amen. understanding your Bible's the right yeah. way will increase that as you read it. Yeah, it, exactly what, I, what I'm thinking too, John, is come to the scripture, not for some sort of obscure personal application, you read the Bible as John writes in his gospel. These things are written so that you might believe, or as John even says in That's his right. epistle, I write these things to you so that you might know, right? That, that you are, that Jesus that you are safe, yeah. that Jesus right. is the son of God and that you're in him. Like, that's why yeah. I'm writing this letter to you. And so, yeah, go to your, go to your Bible, understand, like looking for these things. God is faithful. Like you said, John, our God is a redeemer. Jesus is able and mighty to save. Jesus is sufficient. You know, he's enough for me. And go like, 
yeah, it's about faith and it's about trust in Christ. It's about knowing that I'm safe. It's about assurance. It's all these things. And then of course there are things that I can, I can glean from God's law as, as a guide for my life, you know, for, for how I'm to live. But the main emphasis is, is Christ and redemption and faith and assurance. And I don't think that we often go to the Bible looking for those things. Right. No. All right. So as we kind of close this out and move into our members portion, I'm going to drop something. I beat John to the punch <laughs> once again. And so Man. I'm going to say something. And I think this is going to really drive up our membership because people are going to want to listen. <laughs> that's what, yeah, that's what we're trying there to do. There we go. <laughs> that's what it is. It's clickbait. It is. It's clickbait at its finest. Oh my. Are you ready? Yeah. Here it is. Bring it. Personal Bible reading is not necessarily the litmus test of a mature and faithful Christian. Mm. Wow. Let me say that, that again. Is, yeah. Personal Bible reading is not the litmus test or not necessarily the litmus test of a faithful and mature Christian. So let me let me put it this way. When you go to your pastor or someone in your church and you tell them you're struggling and they ask you, well, how's your Bible reading? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, that could be what I'm talking about. <laughs> or, or when I ask somebody how they're doing and the first thing that they respond to me with is, well, here's what I'm reading. And oh, yeah. I'm like, like lovingly, brother, sister, that's not what I asked you. I asked you how you're that's doing. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So we'll talk about that. All right, who's bringing us out? I guess that would fall to me, brothers. This has been, yeah. I hope, a good conversation for people as you've listened. Uh, we thank you for tuning in, and we hope that you continue to tune in and listen to Theocast as we aim to have a conversation like this every week. We are about to head now over to the aforementioned members podcast. You might not even know what that is. You could find more information about our membership at our website, theocast.org. If you are a Total Access member, we look forward to having a conversation with you over there in the members area. Talk soon. Talk soon.